Meanwhile, Saul, still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogues at Damascus, so that if he found any who belonged to the way, men or women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. Now his as he was going along and approaching Damascus, suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him. He fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? He asked, Who are you, Lord? The reply came, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. But get up and enter the city, and you will be told what you are to do. The men who were traveling with him stood speechless, because they heard the voice but saw no one. Saul got up from the ground, and though his eyes were open, he could see nothing. So they led him by the hand and brought him into Damascus. For three days he was without sight, and neither ate nor drank. Now there was a disciple in Damascus named Ananias. The Lord said to him in a vision, Ananias. He answered, Here I am, Lord. The Lord said to him, Get up and go to the street called Straight, and at the house of Judas look for a man of Tarsus named Saul. At this moment he is praying, and he has seen in a vision a man named Ananias come in and lay his hand on him so that he might regain his sight. But Ananias answered, Lord, I have heard from many about this man, how much evil he has done to your saints in Jerusalem. And here he has authority from the chief priests to bind all who invoke your name. But the Lord said to him, Go, for he is an instrument whom I have chosen to bring my name before Gentiles and kings and before the, name, before the people of Israel. I myself will show him how much he must suffer for the sake of my name. So Ananias went and entered the house. He laid his hands on Saul and said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on your way here, has sent me so that you may regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. And immediately something like scales fell from his eyes, and his sight was restored. Then he got up and was baptized, and after making some food, he regained his strength. This is the word of the Lord. Greg, that was a very... It was very well read. I wouldn't have done better. I have one more announcement. It is rather a sad announcement um, for all of us. I don't know how many of you knew that Harlan Twible was a member of this church and very active 11 o'clocker and very grateful to God kind of a person. The thing he says most often was, I am so blessed by God in my 96 years of life. And that saint of God went home to God last Sunday night. Not only that we have lost our friend, one of our family members to God, the nation also lost one of its heroes. Harlan Twibel saved many, many lives during World War II when USS Indianapolis sunk. So that's the man in his service will be here in the sanctuary over there on Saturday, the 21st at 11 o'clock. Please remember Harlan's family in your prayers. Now, let us pray. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O God, our rock and our salvation. 
Amen. In the spring of 1997, I know many of you were not born yet, my husband Will and I led a mission group to India. It was a very small group of nine people, and except for the two of us, nobody in the group had ever been to India before. Among the group, there was a self-proclaimed video cameraman by the name of Ralph. These were the days when the video cameras were bulky and came with a touch microphone. Some of you might remember how big those things were. Men would carry them like this, like a real heavy thing. Ralph was very faithful in taking videos of every possible interesting site. Gradually, Will and I became aware of the fact that as the, he videotaped, Ralph recorded a running commentary. It was a great fun to listen to him because he really had no idea or little idea of what he was seeing. But that didn't stop good old Ralph. To him, the Taj Mahal became a place, a palace instead of a tomb. A political party procession that we came across became a wedding. A wedding became a band concert. And also, sorghum obviously apparently grew in the middle of a mustard field to Ralph. And a brick factory, you know, in India, they need lots of bricks. The factory that makes bricks became a stadium under construction. So as Will and I listened to Ralph, we realized he was applying his American experiences and expectations to the interpretation of what he was seeing in India. Then of course from a story source I dearly personally love, we have wonderful stories of struggling to understand what one is seeing. These have titles like Piglet Meets a Huffalump and in which Pooh and Piglet go hunting and nearly catch a wuzzle. The scariest story of all of those is Tigger comes to the forest and has breakfast. This story is scariest to me because Tigger is not imaginary. He is real and he bounces into other creatures. He arrives hungry and says his favorite food is everyone's favorite food until he tries it. Fortunately for everyone in the forest and for Rue, Tigger really only likes Rue's medicine. And of course, different people who have these stories read to them hear and understand them differently. They may think a Pooh story is actually a piglet story, or they may think Pooh is a silly old bear when he really was a very brave bear. The story of Saul on the road to Damascus from Acts chapter 9 that Craig read to us is also a story that can be understood in more than one way. In the past, I have read this story in Acts chapter 9 as a conversion story. Saul of Tarsus is converted by God's intervention to believe in Jesus' resurrection and to stop persecuting, persecuting the followers of Jesus. This story could also be read as the last of the Easter resurrection appearance stories. 
or we could read it as a sending story in which God sends Ananias to rescue blinded Saul. There is a wonderful saying my husband will often quote, the greatest obstacle to knowledge is what you think you already know. He likes to say that to me. <laughs> and like Mike, I don't listen. <laughs> He's not going to that class and I'm not believing. Just like you're not going to the class Anita sends you, I'm not believing what Will said to me. But what makes conversion in reality difficult is that we hold so tightly to things that we already know and the way that we do things. That cost us or we ended up blinding ourselves from learning, learning new and more helpful ways to ourselves. For there to be a real conversion, a revolution of how we think is required. Revolutions are hard work. Most of us would rather stay the way we are. We rather not convert. In our story in Acts chapter 9, we have the religious fanatic named Saul on his way to persecute Christians near Damascus, just as he had done in Jerusalem. Saul believed that God chose only and loved only Jewish people. God rescued and led them, God tested and disciplined them, God promised a Messiah to bring a new world order, and God called his people to be faithful and obedient. Saul believed Jesus could not be the Messiah because Jesus did not lead an army or unite a country or defeat the Romans. In Paul's understanding, Jesus failed and was killed. To Saul, the idea of resurrection was foolish and delusional. Yes, by the way, Saul became Paul later in the stories. The Christians and their stories had to be stopped, Paul or Saul thought, and he was convinced that it was his duty and call to stop the Christians from teaching the good news of the resurrection story. So God intervened and stopped Saul from persecuting Christians. God appeared to Saul in a brilliant vision and Saul saw the risen and living Jesus and he hears Jesus speak to him. From the moment Saul understands Jesus is really risen, he knows all of his beliefs and thinking were wrong. He sees the risen Jesus and everything become different to him and he became a convert. Some scholars suggest this story is the last of the major Easter resurrection appearance stories. Before this, we read in the Bible that the women were the first to see the risen Jesus. The apostles and disciples in various grouping and setting also see Jesus. Many other people, we are told, saw the risen Jesus. Saul certainly thought that what happened to him on the road to Damascus was a resurrection appearance. Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 8, Last of all, as to one untimely born, Jesus appeared also to me, for I am the least of the apostles, unfit to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God, I am what I am and his grace 
toward me has not been in vain. George Weigel, a Roman Catholic theologian and commentator, wrote an article in Washington Post this Easter called The Easter Effect. He said that the rapid growth of Christianity in the world can only be explained by the effect seeing the risen Jesus had on people. Once you, have, you see the risen Jesus and believed, your whole life is turned upside down. The way you see the world is changed. The meaning and purpose of life becomes utterly different. Life itself is transformed to become the first step into an eternal life with God. Early time believers who saw the risen Jesus felt compelled to tell the story and help others encounter Jesus for themselves. They spread out from village to village toward the sea, toward Damascus, toward the desert, and toward the Sinai and Egypt. Scholars suggest that the Easter appearance stories were so compelling and vivid that the faith grew in leaps and bounds. It went viral, we would say today. In that going out, a man in Damascus named Ananias had his own experience of Jesus and became a disciple. And then in Saul's experience on the road to Damascus, Saul also saw Jesus and the Easter effect happen to him as well. Surely without the experience of the risen Jesus, Saul would not have become a faithful evangelist of Jesus. At heart, this story is not about Saul. It is about God using the experience of seeing the risen Jesus to transform hearers of Jesus' story. They become active believers who could not wait to tell others the good news of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. This time when I read Acts chapter 9 to prepare for this sermon, I was particularly aware of the second human character in the drama. Ananias hears his name called in a vision. He immediately responds, here I am Lord. By answering quickly and knowing who is calling him, Ananias shows that he is a disciple of Christ. Ananias is immediately sent to find Saul. God told him that Saul has had a vision of an 